Number five, provide effective leadership. Three steps I want to suggest for you. Number one, cultivate God's vision. A vision of what God is calling the congregation to be and to do in the years to come. That is one of the primary roles of leadership. You don't all you don't do that in a vacuum all by yourself, but you provide ways to help people cultivate God's vision. The second key for effective leadership is this: design an effective strategy. So it's vision and strategy. Because a vision without a plan is just a dream. But a vision with a plan can become reality. See, there's a, there's a there's a often a gap that exists between the vision of what could be, which is up here, and the current reality that's here. Imagine, if you would, between the vision and the reality, there's a rubber band that is stretched between my hands. How many can imagine that rubber band that has tension now between these two hands? How many can see that? Now, there's, there's two ways to resolve that tension. What's one way? The vision collapses to the current reality. The second way to solve the problem is what? Maintain the vision and pull the current reality toward the vision. Which leads me to the third step of effective leadership. Mobilize people for action. That leadership is required that can enable people to see the vision and to be able then to have a plan that people can then take action to move toward it. And in this leadership process, there's no substitute for enthusiasm, persistence, and paying attention to the, to the important things. Those are, those are three key ingredients for effective leadership. Okay, here's eight steps. Cultivate intensive prayer. As one leader said, prayer is not preparation for the battle, it is the battle. And that is very, very important. Mobilize people in the church to begin to pray. You personally pray. And for difficult cases especially, mobilize even people outside of the church to pray. Secondly, provide visionary initiating leadership. And in that, take the responsibility to, to, to lead. It's kind of a resolve that needs to be there. You're convinced that this is what God wants. And realize that, that, that almost all change will be regarded as painful. If you don't believe me, just set your clocks to get up five hours earlier tomorrow than what you normally do. And then set it four, four hours earlier the next night. And then go back to six hours later than that after the day after that. Your body will start telling you something. It will tell you it does not like change. An alternative would be to go take a 50-mile walk tomorrow. And you will discover some muscles that you never realized you had. <laughs> Provide initiative to lead the thrust to reach new people. Number three, focus the church's ministry. Remember we talked about the scissors model this morning. That's what we're talking about, that process. And to get a clear picture of where God wants you to go. Here's another point. To start, what is it? Discover potential groups to reach. To find opportunities. Another one, start new groups for new people. Do you know that in some churches where they've known each other for years and years and years, it's incredibly difficult to break into those circles. You've probably gone into, into groups where they have jokes that go back for 15 years. For you to be able to figure out what's going on here, you'd have to read three history books. It's very difficult for new people to get into old groups. Therefore, start new groups for new people. 
Now, I want to go on even farther to elaborate this point, and tomorrow we're going to spend all day focusing on, on cell groups. But let me show you the importance of new groups. I, uh, as you know, coach church planters, among other things. And one of the things I've observed about church planters is the more successful and the better their church is going, the quicker they will tell you what the church attendance is. And the worse it's going from their perspective, the longer the time will be before they tell you what the church attendance is. And I had one guy that I was working with that, that his church got off to a really, really good start. I mean, they had something like 140 people to come to their first service. Now, the guy had everybody that he ever knew come. Relatives he hadn't seen in 20 years, he got them to show up. So it's not quite as impressive as it seemed. But they were very excited. After a few months, I met with him. And he wasn't going to tell me what the attendance was. I even went around to places where normally a church planter would just put the number in. He wasn't going to tell me. And so I decided to do something. I asked him, how many groups do you have outside of your Sunday morning service? And he said, we have two Bible studies. And I thought for a minute, kind of that pause to get his attention more fully. And I had my thoughtful pose. So your church attendance is about 40 right now, huh? His chin goes, how did you know? I said, every church will reduce themselves down to the size where they can care for the people. You need between six to eight groups for every 100 people. The number of groups you have can at absolute most support a church of 40. And it would be more likely that you're going to go down to 30 than it's going to be that you grow to 50. And so therefore you need to increase the number of groups so that the care of people can be better so the church can have the capacity to win more. Okay, let me draw you a little diagram for that. It's been too long since I've drawn a picture for you. But I'm better at this one because this one is a more of a mathematical one. I majored in chemistry, so I know how to draw a line. Here you are now. And you want to go... And sometimes you say the straightest distance between two points is a straight line. So here you want the number of people you're going to reach to go up. So you want your worship attendance to go up. And so you say, well, what we need to do is we need to focus on that. I would suggest to you it doesn't work that way. Sometimes the straightest distance between two points is to go from A to C, and if you get C, you will get B as a byproduct. And this is true for churches that want to break the 100 barrier. What is C? Increasing the number of groups. If you increase the number of groups, it's very likely that you will get an increase in total attendance. So a church of 50 that has four groups is only going to stay at 50. If they want to grow to be 100... How many groups will be needed? Eight groups. If you take a church of 100 that has eight groups and you reduce them to six groups, is the church more likely to grow to 125 or is it more likely to go down to 75? Yeah, it'll go down. There's a direct correlation to the number of groups and what the attendance of the people will be. Because you realize that you could say many, many things about a church... But one of the purposes of the church is to care for people. And you can only care for people in direct proportion to the number of caring units that you have.